1: Welcome to the Dope Black Woman podcast, the podcast where we share
0: stories of black excellence as part of our safe digital sisterhood. I'm Leanne Levers, I'm Roshan, but you can call me Shan. I'm Livs. On this week's episode, we're talking about social anxiety. Hey, Soraya. Hey, hi, Roshan. Thank you so much for having me on no problem Um, no problem it was interesting because as we said this already but i'm going to say it on the pod so obviously we've done an instagram live um program together on black minds matters and don't black women and that was really well received and at the end of that we was like yeah no we've got to have this conversation again (laughs) we've got to talk about it again so it's, it's nice that this actually has happened and it wasn't just something we said
1: yeah totally like i feel like the conversation flowed really really well um and yeah, I manifested it as well. I, I, I was thinking about it like from like last year, and then I got the chance to speak with you, and then you asked me, and I was like, "Look
0: what God did!" Like the power of yeah. manifestation
1: is, is wrong. so yeah. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for having me on. No um, problem. So
0: I obviously know that you're a mental health content creator because I follow you at Sareeshdo on Instagram, Um, but. For people who don't know you, how do you introduce yourself?
1: So I would say that I'm a mental health content creator. I host for Black Minds Matter UK as well. So they are a um, mental health charity specifically for black people. I advocate for racial equality, um, mental health, women, like women's rights. I speak about a lot of things. I think I speak about things that, Sometimes people think, but like they don't necessarily wanna talk about cause maybe some of mm-hmm. them are just like uncomfortable subjects. Again, particularly like within black community, like mm-hmm. mental health and really one of those things everyone openly spoke about growing up, so mm-hmm.
0: yeah. And something we ask all of our guests is what makes you a dope black woman?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. I would say my, my transparency My honesty about who I am and how I take pride in that. And I feel that we should all accept ourselves for who we are. So I would say that I'm a dope black woman because I'm an example
0: of that and that's what we love on the platform i say all the time we're all about encouraging women to be their true multifaceted selves that's what we're about so obviously today we're talking about social anxiety and to be transparent with everyone listening i literally messaged you and i was like hey i want to have you on the pod what are we going to talk about and you was like oh maybe this maybe that maybe that and then i saw you did a post on instagram about um managing social anxiety and i thought do you know what this is what we're going to talk about this week.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so we're here. We're here to talk about that, basically. Um, so I've always used this type... Tu- so I'm like you, and I'm really passionate about mental health. I think I talk about it on this podcast. I always try to snip it in, sneak it in, rather, in one episode or another. But I was like, let me actually go onto NHS website and see what they say social anxiety is. Yeah. So their website said social anxiety disorder... Also called social phobia is a long term and overwhelming fear of social situation. It's not shyness. It affects everyday activities, including relationships and work life. Does that sound about right to you?
1: Yeah, 100%. I think there are varying degrees of social anxiety. And like sometimes it will affect you more in some situations than others. But that does sound that sounds about right to me.
0: And for you then, where does it show up? Because for me, I think it's more in terms of like everyday activities and work life. Yeah. I think for me, both of those,
1: and it depends on the situation, sometimes I can get like really overwhelmed. And you know, when like you have so much to do, you have like a thousand and one Zoom meetings with work. And then sometimes I'll just sit there. I've got a pile of things to do. And I'm like, I've got another Zoom meeting. I've got more social interactions. I'm tired. Like I can't do this. Like my heart is racing and I've got extreme fatigue. So it shows up in that way with work, social aspects, that too. I think there was probably like a period of time in in the summer, a couple of years ago, that I would go to social events and I wouldn't know how to interact with people. So I'd either drink copious amounts of alcohol or smoke weed and pass out. And that's me mm-hmm. being super candid. Like, yeah, that's what I would do. So I just wouldn't have to necessarily communicate with people all night. And I don't even really know why I'd done it. Because, like, a lot of the time I was around good
0: friends. This is the thing, right? I'll give you an example of where it might show up in a workplace. So I remember yeah. I was working in Birmingham at the time and was going out for work drinks. And I avoided it. I avoided it nonstop stop to the point where yeah. they would actually say to me, we're going to pay for your drinks, just come. And I'd be like, no, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. And for me, it was because the process of leaving the work drinks took about an hour. <sighs> I would literally stand up at the table and be just standing up, and they'd be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, go? nothing, nothing. And in my head, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to strategically leave this table without them noticing, but also being polite and saying goodbye and it would, it would literally take me an hour to leave that work table and it wasn't until one day I was like guys I need to be honest with you I find these situations very scary and I can't explain it and it's weird because it's like to say it out loud it sounds ridiculous like why can't you just get up and say goodbye and leave <laughs> but in the moment yeah. it's the most overwhelming thing it's like that's all I can think about at that time yeah I think there's a lot of social pressure as well to go to the pub after work yeah
1: and like I'm not really a pub person. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. really want to go. I don't really want to go. But then, like, sometimes you do feel pressure to go. And then, like, you don't want to be the first one to leave. But then that first person leaves. And then a a flurry of people go after. (laughs) And then you don't want to be the person...
0: To end the whole night. Yeah. especially you and bloody Bob sitting there looking at each other, tired as hell, waiting for someone to leave.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I just feel... I feel like we should we should feel comfortable in saying that we want to go. But also sometimes as well, I think that also sits with other people and in in, like not calling other people boring. Like, oh, you're so boring. Like, why are you going home? And I think we have to like throw that to other people and say to them, like, if someone wants to go home or like you don't understand why someone wants to leave, don't put social pressure on them. Because I honestly think that that doesn't help. Like there's this work culture of sometimes of like staying out, getting drunk and...
0: Going I to the pub. It. <laughs> it, yeah. And the thing is, when I'm there, I do enjoy it. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say that when I'm there, I'm like, oh, I want to go home right now. Like that. That's actually not what it is. I enjoy socialising with people, but I can also have a lot of anxieties and favours that come with it. So I'll give you another example of something that um, I think it, It's weird, because it's only because I was talking to a psychotherapist today, I and mean, when I was talking to her about it, it reminded me of all these experiences I had. And I remember when I'd be at work yeah and we'd be in a work meeting and they would, I know they were going to come to me to talk about a product that I'm working on and it's a product that's really exciting that I really love and they would come to me and I'd start laughing <laughs> and my manager would be like and I'm just there like in hysterics but it because yeah. I was so awkward it was like what? and I, when, whenever she came to me I would either downplay what I'm doing mm. or I would like troll I would go into full troll mode because it was just like I, just, I was just so uncomfortable yeah. by whatever it was and even like being in a meeting and having like Eating an, a banana, let's say, yeah? I don't yeah. want to sit there with the dirty skin in my hand for the rest of the 45-minute meeting. But the idea of getting up and going to the bin would freak me the fuck out. So I just wouldn't do it. And I'd just be sitting there the whole time thinking about the banana peel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you I you understand I, what I'm saying? No,
1: I do. I do, because, like, the other day in work, like, I had to do the weekly roundup. And I didn't, I didn't get much notice that I had to do it. And like, I knew what I had to say. Like, everything was written down. Like, I knew what I had to say. Like, it was all there. Oh, please tell me why it came to me. And I don't even know what I did, but I just started, like went off on a tangent, I started rambling, (laughs) I started mentioning other colleagues, like I could have sworn I saw a few eyebrows raise. And I was like, oh my God, what have I done? What have I done? You would not be
0: asked to do it again.
1: I added mad commentary in that I didn't even need to do. And I was like, oh my God, like why? Like why? I don't even know, I don't know why I did it, but I just got like overcome with anxiety and the thing is, again, it's strange because it's not like I don't make videos of me talking to the camera and posting them on social media. Do you know what I mean? But, post, like, but speaking to my colleagues on Zoom, awful. Like, oh, awful. And I'm a recruiter.
0: Oh, oh no, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> I know. But even on that note, when it comes to Zoom, yeah. So obviously in the last year, we've all been like forced to love this bloody app and forced to have our cameras on, but you see me, my camera is off. Like, at work, there's a guy on my team, and I love him, like, he's so lovely, but, for a period of time, we kept making comments like, Rashaan, put your camera on, put your camera on. Or I'd see emails like, everyone's camera must be on. And I, I just kept thinking, like, do they not think about people like me? I don't want my camera to be on. I don't care how fresh yeah. my eyebrows, nail or hair is on that day. I don't want the bloody yeah. camera on. And I, I just avoided doing it at all costs. And even if someone makes the statement like, can you put your camera on, please? I'll just say, I just won't put it on. And I'll message them privately and be like, I'd prefer not to. Because when the camera's off, for some reason... It just makes me feel better in that social, um, in that social space, and I can I can talk confidently and not worry. But then when it's on, I just feel more like on edge, and it doesn't make any sense. Again, this is why I have this internal conflict because I can rationalize with my thoughts when I'm outside of that situation and say it makes no sense because mm. they've seen me before. So what is the fear? Where's the fear coming from?
1: I feel like there's a hyper focus when you're on camera because like. When you're face to face with people, like everyone's in like the same like room. Whereas when you're on camera, like people are nosy, like uh, honest to God, like in my work meetings, people ask me, obviously people can't see us right now, but I've got like a Jamaican flag, sorry, not Jamaican, the Jamaica country on my back wall, but it's actually a clock. So like, I will have people say to me, oh, what's that in your background? I'm like, why are you watching my background? Like, why are you not paying attention to the person that is actually talking? And and I think it's things like that. So I feel like people are genuinely watching me on camera and it makes me hyper visible. Whereas when you're in a room, like it's, it's, it's not like that. Like, I definitely get that. I feel like I need to hide or like I can just relax. Like sometimes when I speak as well, Sometimes I like to sit there and fiddle with things. I might want to have a conversation with you, but I might be actually be holding onto my phone and like typing at the same time. Like we do all of these things to relax ourselves, but I feel like there's a certain Zoom etiquette. But like, where did the Zoom etiquette mm-hmm. come from? Like who enforced it? And who signed up for it? Cause it wasn't me. <laughs> I don't sign up for it. Like I genuinely didn't sign up for it. Like in my last job, um, cause I've recently joined a new company and they're great. But in my last company oh management were like everyone like like you know like what you mentioned everyone's cameras must be on like you have to have your cameras on and we're all like we are tired like we are at home we're in the middle of a panorama like everyone I I like to call the pandemic a panorama (laughs) like like we're all stuck in our houses it's hot it's summertime like we all look a mess like just like leave us be. Mm -hmm. And for people with social anxiety as well, I feel like within your workplace, if people like are dismissive of mental health and of anxiety, like they don't care in it. Like they'll just let you sit there and suffer. Like they just they don't care. And you could say you have social anxiety, but they're like, well, you're not meeting the needs of the business.
0: And it's like, be quiet. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> moving on swiftly. So when I when I first noticed that this was a, something that affected me, and it, and I'll come on mm. to it later how I feel like I am definitely on a route of overcoming it. But when I when I noticed this showing up, it was when I was like around twenty one ish age. But it's actually meant to be mm. really common in teenagers. So for you, when was it out of interest that you noticed that you had this?
1: I actually got diagnosed at 21.
0: Oh, oh my gosh.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. At 21, I remember going to my doctors at 21. And she, yeah, she said that, yeah, you've got anxiety. But definitely before that, 100%. Like, I've had conversations with my mum about it. Yeah. And she was like, I I think, like, on reflection, this was from when you were in your teens, like, Mm -hmm. around 14, 15. And I think it stems from, like previous stuff that happened in childhood and I think these are things that people like don't relate yeah back to anxiety like interactions with your parents like your family home because like these are the building blocks of like who we are like we learn things from our surroundings so like if we receive like certain reactions and stuff from like a young age like there's like a lot of like learned behavior I think there's a lot of anxiety that can come with that from childhood like there are toxic things that can be, like, ingrained within our minds, which can then create, like, an auto-response. So, for me, like, it was anxiety.
0: Yeah. Is there something for you, like, specifically that you can look back at in your, like, childhood where you're like, okay, I probably think my social anxiety developed as a result of X?
1: Um... I don't just think there's one thing. Yeah. But one thing I will, I will say is that that definitely had a significant impact on my mental health was like a lack of relationship with my dad, which presented itself in abandonment issues. So I actually have an anxious attachment to people, like to to men. So I actually haven't dated in two years because of this, because I know, I know what it is. So like, if people... like if I go through like a sudden breakup or like a guy ghosts me or something like that, like I'll get really bad anxiety. So like looking back through my teenage years, that is definitely a pattern, and it's not until like you get older and like you go to you go to therapy. Um, I also think like maybe like perfectionism as well. Mm. So like maybe as a a child when you were growing up, like if you didn't do things right and your parents shouted at you, like you then wanted to make sure that everything was perfect. So like your parents didn't have a go at you. So maybe as you grow up and maybe like you get a new job or like you start a new venture or like maybe like you end up like people pleasing with your friends, um, that can then present itself as anxiety which I think is what has happened with me and I think it's probably quite common but people don't necessarily know that these things are like linked and that is why they have anxiety
0: I think this is so interesting because I um do a lot of research into mental health for my own understanding and also so I can help other people and yeah. I think there's a link that you've just given to me that's made me realise something about myself. So my mum always says it, like, you're a perfectionist, you're a perfectionist. Like, I'll give you a quick anecdote, yeah? In my final... Did you do art at um, secondary school for GCSE? Uh, no, I didn't do art for GCSE. I wasn't good enough at drawing. <laughs> but if you know anyone that did, there was literally, like, a... Uh, um, What's it called? A sixteen hour workshop. We had to work non-stop from the morning to I remember that. That start of school to the end of school. Yeah. Two days in a row, yeah. So this was for your final project, but prior to that you had an art book that you that was ready would have been done at that time. And I remember I'd like accidentally flicked black paint on the corner of one of my art books. The corner. It wouldn't have it wouldn't have disrupted the book. It wouldn't have changed yeah. my grade. I remember I was focusing on the main installation for the two-day piece. Do not think I did not get a new art book, cut out all of the pages and re-put them all in again, and rewrite everything out again in that book of my years, my year and a half worth of work to avoid having that black spot, because that's how much I was like, I was trying to strive for this level of perfection. And luckily I don't really have it to that degree as much, but I think what you just said really stuck out out to me because I know, um, and I never thought about it prior to today, but like growing up, my dad was very like, in and out of my life. And I remember there'll be times where i would see him And my school shoes would have just been polished. Like, the second before I saw him, and he'd be like, why are your your school shoes scruffy? Do you get what I mean? Why is your collar not pressed? Do you you get what I mean? Why is your shirt not ironed? But it was ironed. And it's now the end of the day and it doesn't look ironed, but it was ironed this morning. And like, those sort of things, it links to what you were saying just then, isn't it, about me and having a parent who doesn't think you're who I guess puts pressure on you for not feeling good enough in whatever aspect. And then it triples, it has a ripple effect and links down to be- perfectionism. Cause I always thought like, where the hell does that part of me come from? Because that's not my, it's definitely not my mom. She doesn't pressure me for anything. <laughs> Do you get what I mean? But I feel like you just had that light bulb moment for me.
1: Thing I just feel like it's little things like that that like, cause I know that like in life, like you're not supposed to be a perfectionist. Like you're supposed to fail at things. Mm-hmm. Like it's how you learn, but. It can be scary if like, during your life, if you haven't been perfect and like the outcome of that has been like a really bad experience for you. Like as an adult, like, so as an adult going through it, it's been difficult.
0: Yeah, especially I think when you feel like you've let someone down, isn't it? Definitely. Um, Cause then, I don't know how to explain it. There's a book I read called
1: The Chimp Paradox. I'd highly recommend like anyone who's listening to read this. And it it like talks about things that ingrained in your mind and, and thoughts that um become a part of your, your like value system. And your value system is really, really basically difficult to change. So it becomes one mm-hmm. of those things that like you hold really dear to you that like you must be a perfectionist, like that's how you survive, like that's how you've got through life. So to like change that value would like be super difficult, but I think it's a necessary thing to be honest.
0: In your day-to-day life, how do you think that social anxiety shows up for you?
1: I would say that things like social media don't help. So, like, on a day-to-day basis, like, maybe Mm -hmm. you look on social media and, like, you just see, like, this whole image of perfection, which, like, instantly makes you, like, feel a certain type of way about yourself. Like, you'll see people that you know posting certain things about themselves as well, and I feel like sometimes I feel like I put a lot of self pressure on myself, like when I see my friends posting certain things. But I'm, to be honest with you, even then, like, I know some of the things they post aren't true. But like, <laughs> I think that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Lier>.
1: <laughs> yes, I'm like, I know you're lying, but I feel like it. sometimes it stems from that, from like that, like false imagery on social mm-hmm. media. But I think at the minute, being at home and having to work from home, like, I find that really overwhelming. If I'm honest, I can't wait to get back in to an office. Really? Um, No,
0: I'm the opposite. Why? Speak
1: on that. Because I feel like it's going to give me a sense of routine back. Like, I have no routine whilst I'm at home. Like, I work in recruitment. Like the job's very intense anyway, but like sometimes I'll be working till like eight o'clock in the evening, like just trying to Mm. get things done. Like feeling like super anxious that like, if I don't reach a target or I don't email this person back or I don't email that person back, like it's all going to go like Pete Tong. Or I guess there's sometimes like a fallout of where like I might feel overwhelmed for about two hours and need an anxiety nap. Like it happens. So I feel like going back into the office... Not full time, but I think like two or three days a week will give me that sense of routine back where I
0: don't do it. For me, no no way. Like the trains, you see like getting the trains in the morning, that's not for me. I promise you, and I say this today and I'll always stick by it. I'll never be in a job that requires me to get to work for 9am on the train within that big old rush hour. No way, I don't care. We all need to have leniencies. The way that shit freaks me out is like, I just feel so uncomfortable. And I've noticed a pattern as well. When I get the train in the morning, I'm in the rush hour and get to work. I'm actually, I actually have a least a less of a productive day than when I get there at like 11 a.m. Yeah, if I'm there at 11 a.m., I'll work non stop, probably not even take a break. If I get there at, at 9 a.m. or 10 a.m., I, and I'm part of that rush hour kerfuffle, I literally cannot focus at work. My brain's like on like 100% non stop, and that it's little things like that that I think for me helped me to realize, okay, why when I get to work, I don't have to go through the hustle and bustle of everyone on the train, do I feel a lot different? That's because there's something in that social aspect that is triggering something off me to make me feel anxious when I'm now getting to work. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. And I think it's, it's even like, goes as far as like, I hate small talk, absolutely hate it. I find it very uncomfortable. And I feel like that's that's another sign of people that have um, social anxiety as well. When I first started my job, I told my managers, I said, I was like, I was gonna be honest with them from the get go. Cause they're gonna think I'm being rude. That's the other thing. It can come across like you're rude. And I remember I spoke to them and I said, look, I've got social anxiety. Sometimes I walk in the morning, I'm not gonna wanna say hello to you. Like, I'm not gonna wanna say hello. Cause you know in the office, everyone walks in, hello, <laughs> hi, Shannon, hi, hi, I'm hi. that person, I'm not the gonna lie to you. Great. I hate, I no, am, I don't I am, like that I shit. I am that person, it really did no, annoy people. I'm like, hi. I don't, no, 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 don't get me wrong. When you're doing it to me, that's fine. I can sit in my little one seat and be like, hi. But the pressure of when I come in, I've got to say hello to everyone. I find too much. And I remember when I first started, I started with like eight other young people. And like, like I say young people, they were young, but that's not relevant to the story. I mean, I started with eight other people. Yeah. And I remember saying to them, look, we've started at the same time. I know we're all gonna be good work friends, but if I ever come in, in the morning and I don't say hi, it's just my anxiety's up. It's not to do with you. And, it came to, and I think what helped me as part of my journey was just being honest with people about how I felt. Because then it took the pressure off. So then when I came into work and didn't say hello to people, I knew that no one felt like I was being rude. They just felt like, oh, okay, it's one of those days, whatever. And I'd normally send a a staff all email and be like, morning, morning, everyone, I've just arrived. Because that's how much that's how overwhelming it was to come in and say hi. Sometimes I'd sit behind my friend. I wouldn't talk to her till lunchtime because I just felt so overwhelmed by like having to come in at that ridiculously early time in the morning. Do you get what I mean? And it's not even like... The issue isn't for me getting the train at nine in the morning, because I need to sleep. It's actually the amount of people that are on the train at that time and how that creates an an overwhelm and has a ripple effect on my day. When you said that to your bosses, how did they take that about
1: you saying that you have social anxiety? What was their reaction?
0: So I didn't actually say social anxiety. I just said anxiety. Okay. And they were they were fine because the thing is, this is like my first day. I said to them, look, I've got anxiety. In fact, before my interview, I told them that's how deep it is. I said I've got anxiety and it can be triggered by this is how this is how it will be triggered in a workplace. And if I if the triggers come up in the workplace, I'm not gonna have a productive day. And they were really supportive. And do you know what happened? I was, the, I've been smashing it ever since because we were able to create a work balance that worked for me. And that's not, I know it's not as easy for everybody else, but once I realized that there are managers out there like that, I've almost made a promise to myself that I'm never going to be in a work environment that doesn't understand mental health enough or don't take it as seriously enough to be able to put those measures in place. Do you understand? Yeah. Because why do I need, for me to say, I, there's no need for me to work in some, for me to, unless I have meetings at 9, PM, 9 a.m. There's no need for me to be in the building at 9am if it's gonna if it's gonna have a negative impact on my well-being. What's your what's your reason against that? <laughs> you can't give me a reason. It's true actually. Um so I'm in a place now
1: where they are really understanding about mental health, which is great. But my last job before that, where I was at for two and a half years, it was a bit mad. Um mm. like I was that person that would come in and be like, hi. But then there were days where I wouldn't be, and like they would then say, oh, like, well, sometimes you come in and like, you're in a really bad mood and like, you just don't want to speak to anyone and we don't really know how to react. And I'm like, if, first of all, it's not every day. It's not every day you come in and you're happy. Like- Jolly Sally,
0: do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's
1: not every day. Secondly, I was the only black person there. So like, that was just like a whole- You know, there that, that was definitely a microaggression attached to that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was very mad. I had to leave because of, of a few racial undertones. I had, yeah, I had, and that didn't help my anxiety at work, actually. That was a really big factor in me leaving. There was like racist WhatsApp jokes, like mad things said about skin color. Like it was hell. Like I remember the week that Harry and Meghan actually left the royal family, I spent the week crying, um, crying my my eyes out just because of like the denial of racism. So, yeah, I would say that. All of last year during lockdown before I moved to my new job, like that I was actually relieved to be at home because I was away. Mm-hmm. I was away from people. I, I didn't I didn't really have to deal with it. Um but it was just like I guess then when you're on camera, people see your reactions. I'm very like I'm a visually expressive person. Like you can you can read my reactions Same. on my face. <laughs> so if I'm if I'm not impressed, then you'll be able to tell. So yeah, it was, it was a really difficult time for me because I just felt like speaking out was difficult when I did try and say something. Also, the team that I was on made a lot of money for the company. And when I did try and speak to HR, they weren't trying to help me. And the whole time I was there, the HR woman couldn't even get my name right, no matter how many times I told her. Oh, so well, I done. feel like it's so important to be in the right type of environment when you when you do have anxiety because your work will have a massive knock-on effect.
0: You're there for so many hours of a day, you have to make sure Spend that 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 with that, your work that,
1: colleagues in that, your family yeah
0: 100% but I just want to say as well yeah on that note of what I was saying before is that whilst I was saying it's important to find someone a, a workplace that understands it and managers that get it I yeah. also don't think you have to, You should run away from the problem so my yeah. when I told my manager that something he did say to me he goes well, Shan no problem but I want you to get to the point where you can walk into this office and walk up to everyone and give them a high five and say morning 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 and give them like a, a Mexican wave for a high five and you know I got to that point I didn't actually do did it you- I didn't do it, but I, he knew I was at that point. I went up to him and I said, you know what? I'm at that point now. And he goes, I can tell. I knew it. But just because I knew I had that in, as a target in my head, it meant that I would try and do things out of my comfort zone. So I would I would, I would. would set myself a target, okay? Every Tuesday and Thursday, I'm going to walk in and I'm going to say hello. And on every Monday, I might say hello to, pe- to the people just on the end of my desk. And every Friday, I might offer one person a glass of water. And I, I had to just set myself little challenges because ultimately yeah those having social phobias can to a degree hinder your growth and where you need to go especially when you're someone like me who works in the media industry i need to network i need to make friends i need to make friends with people in my industry i can't be going to places and being like not speaking because i can't tell everyone (laughs) i can't have a sign on my forehead that says i've got social anxiety you come to me do you get what i mean um yeah but something i want to talk to you about is because we've spoken a lot about work and work life but for you Have you ever spoken to your friends about this and do they understand it?
1: My friends understand mental health over time. And I'd probably say that I've become someone that's been a confidant to a lot of people because I've been so open with it. I think they were probably quite surprised about me um, smoking like an excess of weed, which I don't do anymore. Like, just to clarify what we in 2021, this is a period I'd probably say from like 2016 to 2018 Mm -hmm. that I did that. And I took a step back, realized that it was something that I was doing to help me cope, which wasn't healthy by any means. And I'm sure there are people listening to this that will say, Oh, no, it's fine. Like, I can smoke weed. Weed is really good for my mental health. And that's cool. That's cool. Let me not get on that topic. Let me not. That is... I think everyone's different. Like, I think everyone is different. But for me, like, you... I knew what was good for me in the end and what wasn't. I think when I eventually came out and said that, there were probably quite a few people that were surprised that that was the reason. Like, they weren't surprised that I had anxiety. I think they are probably more surprised that I was using that as a social, like, as a, as a mechanism, mm-hmm. like, to cope. Because I'd be asleep by 10 o'clock
0: at parties. No, stop it. Like, I'm there, honestly, Raven. I'm bubbling in God. the corner. Tuned. Yeah, the little bogle. I'm there. Yeah,
1: no, like, in the beginning. No, whole like, night. I, I won't leave. From... I'll be
0: there till 5am. Don't mess with me.
1: <laughs> like, that, it's, it's so weird because, like, I am usually, like, a social butterfly. Um, and people, like, when I get to a party for, like, the first few hours, like, everything is fine. But it's like I get mentally exhausted. Yeah, then yeah, yeah, By 10 o'clock, people be like, where's Sarah? They'll be like, oh, she's asleep on the sofa.
0: I'm not going to lie. I do have a habit of going to my car, sleeping for two hours and coming back. And in the last episode, <laughs> we actually spoke about this. And me doing it at Leanne's... Um... Leanne's party. But on that note, cause you said something that I think is really interesting. And you said, that I am actually a social butterfly. And I think there's an idea that like, you can't have social anxiety and be a social person at the same time. And when I was um on Twitter one day, I came across the term Ambivert. And I feel like that's definitely me. And I feel like when I'm in safe environment or environments where hmm. my social anxiety will not be present, I am an extroverted person. You, I'm busting jokes. I'm laughing. I'll probably be quite loud. But then when I'm not in environments like that, I'm the complete opposite. and I'm really recluse and I'm really reserved and I'll just be like... And most of the time, the reserved person yeah. shows up because there's only a few people yeah. that I feel that comfortable with for that, like the other side to come out. This is the Dope Black Women Podcast. So I was talking to one of my friends the other day and they were quite apprehensive about the idea of like returning back to normal and like being around people in in those sort of social spaces because there's more people obviously the last year she spent most of her time at home with her parents and now she's going to be outside of a number of people does that give you any sort of anxiety around like being outside again i've had
1: covid and i can't catch it for six months so i'm good
0: (laughs) she's like no i'm going out i'm gonna gonna be wild okay
1: (laughs) yeah no because i've had covid i can't catch it for six months so what are we in now Next month it runs out, so yeah, then I then I might start to panic again. But yeah, if I'm honest, that's probably like a big thing for me because I know I've already had it. Like I think that's mm-hmm. why I'm not I'm not so concerned. Also, the group of friends that I'm going out with tomorrow, like I trust them with my life, and I think that that's like a really yeah. important thing to like. Mm-hmm. The people that you're going out with, make sure you feel safe around them because like you, we all know we've got them friends that will like run off with a man. Like, Leave you for
0: man, yeah. Like, thank you. We've all been there, <laughs> ain't
1: it? Like, and we don't want to be rocking out with these people. Just They'll go
0: smoking an area, and not come back. Like, are you mad? Call them, phones off. Like, don't know where they
1: are. Like, it's it's very long. Like, and like, if you're going out again for the first time in a year and a half, those are not the type of people that you want to be going out with. You want to be going yeah. out of the responsible friends, the ones that check to make sure that you get home. Like, those kind of friends. So I think that yeah, I think it really matters about. Who you go out with? Like I feel fine about tomorrow. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm good. Like I, uh, yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. If you see me mash up money business, <laughs>
0: <laughs> if I see you come on your personal your 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 uh, mental health page doing a voi <laughs> on the Instagram live, I will report your account for you to help you out. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. Um. So, what tips do you have for anyone who might have social anxiety? I'm gonna be honest, like. I'm not perfect. I don't it. have any. Because, no, I have tips because, like, do you know what
1: the funny thing is though? Like, I was actually thinking about this earlier on. Like, this isn't a tip. This is something that I need to work on myself. I've accepted. Yeah, that's th- that's fine though. I've accepted three invitations to Notting Hill Carnival with three different groups of people, and I don't know who I'm gonna cope with. Like, three <laughs> different groups have asked me, and I'm like, I need to say like no to two people and yes to one. So I think one thing is like hold your boundaries with social anxiety and mm-hmm. it like, I think like that's something that's really important. Like I'm 50, 50 at it, but yeah, hold your boundaries and don't feel like you need to say yes to every event this year, even though that's the thing that's going around. Everyone's like, yeah, I'm not saying no to like any 2021 motive. Like you can say no, it's okay to say no. Like you need to put yourself first. And I think that's one thing that some people might be fearful of. Like they might not want to upset any of their friends. Like they might not want to be seen as boring. But do what you need to do. Um, go out with the friends that you know are responsible and the friends that you know are safe. Not just because you want to go to a rave. Like if I'm if I'm being totally honest, I think that's like mm-hmm. even like without this. But yeah, I think again that's totally important to make sure that you got have people that you trust um, and don't use substances to mask how you're really feeling if you're socially anxious and you go out and you get blackout drunk you need to get yourself to therapy because one you're putting yourself in danger like because you like you if if you get if you have to get blackout drunk to be to be social there's a serious problem because you're mm-hmm. endangering yourself you're you could potentially be putting yourself in a situation where like you don't know where you're going to be the next morning it's really sad to say that people lose their lives over this so I think like that is hugely, hugely, hugely important. Like, take care of yourself first, not just, like, don't like, don't be afraid to go to therapy just because you're seeing other people get blackout drunk. Like, it's not okay to do that. And I think that's one thing that I've had to learn because touch wood, like, honestly, there have been some situations that I've put myself in where I've woken up the next day and thank God, like, they have only been house parties with trusted friends. Yeah, I've woken up yeah. the next day and I'm like, I don't even know what I've done. My friends are like, are you all right? Like, they were like, you got Mate. really drunk last night. And I'm like, did
0: I I don't Mate. remember. Mate, when you were talking about the blackout drunk thing, because I said to you that I got, I said I had noticed that I had social anxiety when I hit about 21 and I'm 24 now. But definitely at uni, I went through a phase of getting blackout drunk. I didn't really understand why. And I don't know if it was because I was young and I was out and I was drinking and um, it was just like, I wasn't, I didn't have an awareness around alcohol enough to understand my limits and what drinks made me feel away or not, or if it was because of social anxiety, that's something I haven't really figured out yet. But I just think it's interesting. Um, But just on top of that, I would say as well, definitely to keep a journal um, and to figure out when you're feeling anxious in certain situations, what are those things that are making you feel anxious and then tackling those things. So for example, when I was getting to work and feeling anxious in the morning and I noticed that it was because I was going to work on the trains when it was really busy in the morning. I didn't prefer that. So I asked to have a more flexible shift. So I worked like 11.8 or 12.8 or whatever the shift would have been instead of doing like nine five or nine 6. Um, Just finding that to combat it gave me one less of things to think about. For me, I know that exercise also helps to just calm me down in general anyway. So when I would start later, I'd actually go to the gym in the morning. So I'd go gym before work and, and then I'd go to get home and go to work. And then also, I think, working out, like, breathing techniques as well, which happens for, en- which is useful for anyone that has anxiety. I think breathing techniques are really good. And um, I don't always use them, to be honest. I'm more just focused... Instead of using, like, an actual technique, I'm more just focused on my breathing. But I think one of the techniques that are good for breathing is where you hold it in for five seconds, breathe out for five seconds, hold in for five seconds, breathe out for five seconds, then repeat that all four times. And by that time, you should be more restored. But then my the other tip that I have generally that I think works well for anxiety is where you connect to your five sentences. Have you heard of that one Yeah, before? grounding.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, really good. Really good. I like the breathing one.
0: I learned that in therapy and that helped. And I think it was, like, I might be doing the order wrong, but it's the right gist. So it might be, like, um, say five things that you can touch, say four things that you can hear, say three things that you can see. And you go, and you go through all your sentences, basically. And it helps you to rationalise and, like, um, as you said, ground ground you and make you realize where you are and what's actually going on rather than where your brains made you think that you are. So I just thought I'd leave the people with some tips before we leave. Um, but in general then, from one mental health advocate to another, yeah, what do you think we could be doing moving, moving the conversation forward within the black community? What do you think we could be doing to help um, challenge some of the stigmas that we still have? Being open-minded, and, like not, and not
1: judgmental. I think that that would massively help. I think that um, having conversations with the aim of like, maybe not wanting someone to be right and not wanting someone to be wrong as well. Cause I think sometimes as well, like our perceptions on things are very like, oh, okay, well I don't believe in mental health because of this or, and it's just, you have to listen to people's experiences. Like, don't devalue other people's experiences because you haven't been through them or, like, you haven't experienced them. I think education is a really, like, strong point as well because it's something that, like, we've not really been educated on. I think A perfect example, actually, is, like, ADHD, right? I am going through the diagnosis right now, myself, of ADHD. And, like... Luckily, my doctor's a mm-hmm. my doctor's a black woman. Thank God! Big up, Doctor Answer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> big up, Doctor Answer. Like she's sick, and um, going to her and explaining how I felt was like super validating. But however, coming home and trying to explain to my mum that I have ADHD, like she's very surprised. Not because I'm not like I was never a naughty kid. Like I just was someone who you used to like talk a lot, and I couldn't focus. So I think that. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's things around that, like black people are very misdiagnosed when it comes to things like ADHD because like it shows up different.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, because I was talking to my um, my friend and my aunt the other day and they both work in the social care world and they were saying that with ADHD, sometimes it's misdiagnosed because the um, the way it can show up can actually be signs of trauma. So it's, a child might go through a lot of trauma growing up and actually how it how it shows up to them as an, in an adult reflects what ADHD and adulthood yeah. would show up as well. Do you get what I mean? So if someone's going through the process, like I like, said, so, like, there might be like a lazy person who's assessing someone, and rather than get them looking back at their entire life to be able to actually have a clear assessment, they're just focus on focusing on what's showing up now, and they'll be like, "Oh, you've got ADHD," and then they end up taking tablets or medicate medicine or having help them programs that actually don't deal or help them to manage the situation better because they've been misdiagnosed, which is a whole other yeah, about that's like a whole different whole game. System. But do you know what I would just say to anyone
1: <laughs> if you can get a black doctor, like, because, like, she's, Mm -hmm. like, Dr. Answer is probably the best doctor, like, I have, like, ever had, ever, ever had. Like, I took time out of work last year. I took a month off of work for mental health. I called her and I said, my boss is a racist. Can you tell me off work?
0: She's like, yeah, she said, don't worry, my friend. She's like, I've got you. I think, She's I like, if you need more year. time,
1: just call me and let me know. I'll write you the sick note. She was so good about it all, like, so good. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like, education, understanding, having like open, open conversations about it. I think that will just release shame around the whole subject of mental health, of anxiety.
0: Well, I feel like actually, it's not if you're someone who we all could continue to always do. Yeah more work and understanding to learn about different health, mental health conditions and how they show up. Whether that's to support our friends, to be able to help other people with their diagnoses, and just to be able to be a further support to our own communities. So there's lots of pages that I'd recommend following. Off my head, we have Soraya Stewart, who's on the page now, there's a lot of content. We have Black Minds Matter. We have um, Solutions. And then there's also 56 Black Men. I love 56 black men.
1: They are focused on black men, the black community and the positivity of, of black men. It's so good. It's founded by um, a man called CFAS Williams. So I would urge anyone to go and check them out because I think it's really, don't get me wrong. Like talking about mental health in the black community is is, is difficult, but for men, I think it, they, it's, like, that much of a of a stretch. Like, they have that much more pressure. And I feel like yeah. um, toxic masculinity, like, plays, like, a big part. Like, don't get me wrong, we could sit here for ages and talk down, like, about the breakdown and, like, how, like, slavery and stuff has affected the black man, et cetera, et cetera, so on and so forth. But, yeah, that's a whole whole different subject matter. Another episode. Another episode. We'll see you back this time <laughs> next year. <laughs> so, yeah. Um,
0: yeah. To anyone, check out them. They're They're great. So do you want to let everyone know your socials so they can connect with you?
1: Soraya Stewart pretty much on everything. Um, Soraya Stewart yeah. on Instagram, YouTube channel. Actually, I have a podcast called I'm Not Rude, I'm Just Anxious because I will see you in Tesco's and I swear to God, I will walk the opposite direction and run from you, 100%. This is what I'm,
0: this is, oh my, listen to what I'm saying. This is another issue, but and it'll be my brethren. I know you, you're my, you're my friend. And I'll call you and I get to my car and be like, babe, let's just call you. But, my anxiety, was, my, my anxiety was a bit high, so I didn't say hello. You know, like, I'll see someone in Tesco's and, like, I'll just turn around and I think,
1: oh, I hope they didn't see me. Or, like, I might look at someone and see if, like, I catch their rye and I think, oh, no, but did I catch their rye? Like, do they think that I'm ignoring them? Like, did I look rude? It's just too many things to
0: think about, man, in Tesco's when I'm just trying to do a food shop. It's very long. I'm just trying to get common grapes, strawberries, <laughs> and yam, and you're making me have to have, have a fucking panic attack all because you want me to say hello. No. Oh, okay? the gym and is, this is what the I'm gym too. To like, I hate at the gym because like oh the amount of people i bump into the amount of people i bump into at the gym and I, i literally i saw my i saw my cousin there the other day and i avoided her at all costs and then i was on this treadmill i didn't realize that she was to the right of me doing a workout and i thought fuck this silly bitch is gonna see me obviously i love her but i was like this silly bitch is gonna see me and then she's like oh hi she comes over and i'm like my cover's been blown the social anxiety is a madness you know how can i not say hello to my common cousin who i know
1: yeah, like I, I must have saw someone yesterday, and I thought it was her sister. And I saw her the day before, looked in her face, and didn't say hello. And I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't even realize it was you. Saw one of my friends today at the gym. I was like, Oh my god, I didn't even see. Like, I like to be in my own, like little wow. own little bubble, like own little bubble. Yeah, social anxiety at the gym is mad. Like, I like to go at inconspicuous times, so I don't see anyone. But there's mm-hmm. always at least one person.
0: One. One. There's always one. But thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week. I've really enjoyed this conversation. For anyone listening, you can follow Dope Black Woman on Twitter and Facebook at Dope Black Woman and on Instagram at Dope Black Woman 1.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. It's been amazing.